Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Hallowell and Clay Emo. Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome back to Canucks After Dark after a wonderful week of Canucks hockey that they didn't play a single game during. Uh, it is January 10th. As always, we're here on a Monday night at 10 p.m., and I am joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How are you doing today, Clay? Parker, I am doing well. I hope you are well as well. And uh, I think this show might sound a little bit like last week's show, considering that the Canucks, yes, they went undefeated, but they also went winless this week, unfortunately. Yeah, not a not a not a bad combo, I guess, uh, and especially with the other results around the division. Uh, the week really didn't go that poorly for the Canucks, other than uh, we had a game postponed that we were supposed to have on Saturday, um, yeah. the the last home date. So there's going to be a bunch of home games during the uh, so-called Olympic break uh, coming up. But we have a big road trip to preview here. This is kind of a this is could be a, a season defining road yeah. trip, really. Right? It's uh, it's the the Canucks haven't had tough opponents really yet, right? They had Boston, Carolina, right? Like a couple of of, of decent teams. Um, but they haven't had a run where they've had to go out night in, night out, take on these powerhouses uh, in the East where they are going to uh, truly get tested over the next week and a half. And it's crazy by points, not points percentage. The next five opponents, they are in the top six spots in the NHL. That's if that's not a true litmus test or whatever it is, then I don't know what is. You know, what's crazy, though. PD, he missed. uh two games but those were the two games postponed so he technically didn't miss any Canucks games that's kind of cool yeah that is a plus uh definitely and that, that should mean that uh it should help him stay off the list in the future right get out of the way now that should yeah, be great true. um but we will uh we will see so as we said we're going to preview all four games this week maybe we'll touch on the fifth one that will be technically next week mm-hmm. um a bit of news to talk about as always um should we just dive right into it yeah, we got no games to recap, so I guess we might as well start previewing. No games to recap. Well, we can recap the the fun events of of Friday when we were told that we weren't getting a game on Saturday. Okay, uh, which was which was my I thought it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, you know it's kind of strange. Do you remember? And I think you and I I don't think we talked about it on our show, but I know we were kind of messaging about it. It's weird because when they postponed the Wednesday one kind of like well why are they still leaving the saturday one kind of hanging out there well okay it's hockey night in canada it's even with half full at least it's uh you know two canadian teams all mm-hmm. good and then you're right on friday uh disappointing but maybe not a surprise eh yeah and i think the idea was that well the senators are already doing this sort of this sort of road trip out here right they might as well come on and 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 start it um and then yeah I, it's kind of a, an interesting topic right because we we talk about you know postponing this game likely done you know from what we've from what i've heard at least is it's usually at request of the home team right mm, uh mm. and that's why the maple leafs are still playing games at home with no one in the known in attendance with ontario's uh protocols right now ah. um and the canucks have said well we want that revenue uh, we want a full house, not a 50% house, but that does mean you're giving up, you know, a Saturday night game, um, yeah. like, you know, sort of at the tail end of a holiday break, right? Not really the holidays, but there's still, you know, people there, you're going to get more people in here on, you know, a Saturday night in January than if you try to stick it on a Tuesday night in February. 
Um, but the issue is, you know, the whole 50% capacity thing. Now, for me, I, I, I mean, I'm looking ahead and it's like, okay, the Olympic break is, is what, a month away? Right. Yep. We're talking, we're talking probably 35 to 50 days away is when that game will be moved to. Yes. Is it going to be a full stadium in 35 to 50 days? Like maybe I, not. That feels really optimistic uh, in my eyes. And, and no. I mean, the NHL is up to, you know, over a hundred games have been postponed that wow. they now have to all fit into this Olympic break, which is only, you know, that's what, like, it's like six per team, isn't it? Cause two teams got to play in each one. Yeah, that's it, true. That is a lot, right? That's a lot yeah. that they're going to have to fit in, in that time. And, and it, it's crazy because when, when people who maybe aren't following the team as much and they, they'll ask you or they'll ask me, Hey, why are they postponing the games? And you, you can explain kind of the revenue part, right? The, the 50% part, but then the, they will automatically, a, a casual fan will automatically assume it's COVID, but it is COVID. You, you can't separate them because the whole point of you can only have 50% is because of the, the provincial health order. And then there's also the worry of if you bring together even 50% of fans, God forbid that becomes a, a super spreader event. And now you're overloading or taxing our hospitals and everything. So uh, yes, it is financial driven for sure. But I don't, I don't, I'm not saying you're doing this, but I'm, I'm saying that you can't separate the financial from the COVID aspect as well. And that's because that's why we're in this situation. Right. You have to wonder yeah. if they're looking at places like South Africa, for example, when they first had this variant and they, they burned out of it really quick, right? They had this yeah. big spike and then things settled down pretty quickly. And obviously we're a little earlier into it than South Africa was, but if, you know, a similar sort of pattern were to unfold and then we see things dip in about a month or so that might happen just in time but the fear is you know if it doesn't you know and and maybe maybe we're a couple more weeks in and you know if hospitalizations go up a little bit more maybe mm -hmm. there's more restrictions right maybe they get the opposite effect and they have no one in the building and and things go the completely opposite direction so it's a it's a calculated risk that they're that yeah. they're taking uh moving it forward uh the thought is uh you know if we can get everyone in the building um, in a month and a half, that is better than having no one in the building today. Um, which I mean, is kind of fair, but I mean, it, it is just weird to me, right? Because you have, there's also like the other side of it, which is like the broadcasters. Cause I've yeah. heard that people like ESPN are not loving this, right? Some of these games getting pushed. <laughs> I'm sure Sportsnet, cause most of them are, lots of these are happening in Canada, right? They're like, oh, you're going to push all of this into the winter Olympics when we are putting all of our good content is on cbc and sports yeah. now like all the olympic content nbc is going to be running everything on the winter olympics down the states and that's going to be directly competing with espn if hockey's if they're trying to put hockey games on tv or whatever mm -hmm. um so that's not good for ratings right it's not yeah. good for um it's not good for a bunch of things it's uh, it's really interesting to see how this will play out that is a great point i've actually never thought about the broadcasters i've thought about the owners money i thought about the players the ones that play, I thought about the fans, the ones that are affected most, right? But I never even thought about the the broadcast. By the way, can you put up Edmund's comment about the Diet Pepsi and you? <laughs> because I think we'd all agree that Parker, uh, especially compared to me, but Parker is a good athlete. I'm a wannabe athlete. I'm also twice his age. But yes, for two straight weeks, Parker has been drinking the Pepsi. And yes, Edmund, this is indeed water. I don't want to spill this all over my computer, but yes. The I secret, am. the secret is to have both. Uh, and that way you can switch back and forth. You want some flavor, you go Pepsi. You want some, you know, ah, that's the key. Okay. Uh, so can, I've got both going. I can uh, learn from you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's such a weird situation and there's so many things up in the air. And 
Uh, it's going to be an exciting March. That is all I will say, uh, because yeah. we are going to have what was initially going to be Olympic hockey with, with NHL players in it, which is sad that we're not getting that. But, you know, it'll still be interesting, right? We're going to have a lot of junior players out there um, and, you know, some <laughs> other some other names. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll be rooting on Canada and we might have days where I guess if the games are in China. Yep. That that's what like fifteen hours ahead, or is it less Correct. than that? No, that's right. Hours? Fifteen or six. Yep. So we might have games at like nine a.m. here, right? <laughs> you wake yep. up, you have a Team Canada game in the morning, you have a Canucks game in the evening. That could be an awesome, uh, awesome little day of hockey. So, um, yeah, I mean the <laughs> Canucks. True. I mean, think about it. It's January tenth. The Canucks have you know forty-eight games left in the yeah. season, right? And there's about yep. three months just over three months, you know, call it, call it about a hundred days to yep. get those, those 40 something games in which 48 games in which, you know, one every two days isn't that crazy, but if more things get pushed, then you start to have this snowball effect where, um, where things can get out of hand. Yeah, no, I agree. And three, three quick points about this too. They say that the Olympic break is February 6th to 17, but that's when the Olympics are, the Canucks actually don't play between February 1st and 24th. So they, you're right. They actually have 23 days to make up these seven games. That's number one. A uh, number two is, I forgot what number two was. And number three is the NHL has also said, because the Canucks, yes, seven games to make up, but they're actually teams that even have more games to make up. So they've also said that they could expand the season, the regular season by one week. It's supposed to end at the end of April. They could go to the first week of May. If for some reason, concerts, teams playing against each other, all that kind of thing. If they can't fit everyone into the, that three week gap in February, there could be hockey, regular season hockey in May, and not like last year's where wasn't that weird, Parker, where we were still playing regular season games and everyone else is just <laughs> just meaningless games against Calgary for for a week while we while while people were watching playoff games. I'm sure those were ratings spectacular oh, for sure the for Sportsnet. Yep. I'm sure the players loved it. All those things. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to to bring up around these postponements that has kind of like irked me a little bit is yep. like, what if because we've seen what's happened to Montreal right where Montreal's entire team was out. Like they had basically just an AHL, not even an AHL roster basically playing for, for a while. Um, and the thing is, if you're, if you start to postpone games because of capacity reasons, I feel like you're tempting fate a little bit mm. because let's say you postpone three or four games because of capacity limits, right? Cause you don't want to play in front of 50%. Yeah. And then you go out and then you have a COVID outbreak, yeah. right? Knock on yeah. wood, but yeah. let's say, you know, if somewhere like that were to happen, well, now you have three more games that you have to fit into that break. Cause you didn't just play them now while you could. Um, yeah. that's, that's kind of what seemed weird to me. It was like, man, like you, you got the opportunity to play the games, play the games. Um, yes. but, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll yep. see how she goes. That's a good point too. Cause here we're sitting here with the Vancouver Canucks playing 34, as you said, they have 48 to go. But there's the Islanders who've only played 28. Ottawa's only played 29. That means they've missed 11, 12, 13 games and not the seven that we've missed. That's that's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's a lot to get in there. And at least for the Islanders, you know, they can do the whole, yeah, play your games after the season's over because they're they are out of it. Um, yes. But yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely definitely a weird um, situation. Yep. I agree. Uh, do you want to do some previews? Sure. All right, let's do some previews, and it starts tomorrow afternoon. 
I always get caught up with these Eastern road trips. And, uh, and I was like, Oh man, I gotta, like, I, I have a hockey game tonight at, or tomorrow night at eight 15. And I'm like, Oh no, I'm going to miss the game. And it's like, Oh wait, no, I'm not. The game's at four. <laughs> We're good. Uh, so we have the Canucks and the Panthers. So you're going tomorrow. opposite. You're going to watch the game. You're going to do your live stream and then you're going to go play hockey. As that's correct. To- yes. That's, that's the plan. That's kind of cool. Actually. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a full yeah. evening of hockey. Um, yeah, Canucks Panthers Tuesday tomorrow, uh, or today, if you're listening to this the next day, which is, I think where most of our plays come from anyways, um, they are going up against the 23, seven and five Florida Panthers, the top team in the NHL. They are tied with the, the Tampa Bay lightning who we'll get to, they play Thursday. Um, they have been absolutely fantastic and it is all offense for them. Oh. Because they have 137 goals in 35 games, which is the most in the NHL, averaging mm-hmm. 3.9 goals per game. <laughs> Jonathan Huberdo, what can you say? He's on fire right now. He's on fire. He's got 46 points, and he's quickly rocketing up the, the NHL top scorers list. Yeah, you're right. Um, I heard Boudreau saying that Florida... The way the way they're so good is they have four lines that can score. Obviously, you just you just rattled off the stats, and Boudreaux even admitted they don't want to get into a track meet with Florida. Florida wants you to be up and down the ice because they have the talent to outscore you, and they're obviously they have some good defensemen and and good goaltending. But the Canucks, yeah, as good as they've been playing, I I agree. I don't think we want to get into a, a track meet with these guys. This is yeah. gonna be fun, man. They, and, and, it, first it, game back too. It's crazy. It could be a very fun game. Uh, of course, now we say that it's going to be two one or some <laughs> lame, and um, but, but yeah, I mean, you look at it right, and they have so many players who can who just have the ability to create offense, right? Huberto's the obvious one, right? Like you said, yeah. 30, 46 points in 35 games. You have guys like Carter Verhage just under a point a game, yeah. They have Sam Reinhart, Anthony Duclair, not to mention Alex Barkov, um, Mackenzie Wieger's playing really well yeah um they have sam bennett who's having a bit of a resurgence this year with 11 goals then they have in their depth you're starting to get to guys like patrick hornquist right owen tippett the young like there's there's so many there's just so much depth they have joe thornton on their team Uh, yes yes (laughs) um they they have so much depth coming through um all you levy. We get to see. We, I, guess <laughs> I knew we you're probably, gonna say. We probably don't get to see him. Actually, I knew you're gonna say that. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna. He's still in his uh, Canucks jersey on NHL.com. Um, I uh, I bet he doesn't play. Yeah, hey, I, I'm with. I'm with you. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, they just have so much skill uh, on their team. So many guys who yeah. can who can make plays happen, uh, and yes. that is that's taking them to top spot in the league. And I'm sitting there looking at their stats and you say, oh, that's weird how Barkov's sixth on their team is scoring. Oh, that's because he only played 22 games and he has 25 points in those 22 games. So Yeah, so we're playing a game. He's doing fine. Yes, him, Huberdeau, and Duclair, I think, are the top line, which is pretty crazy. And then, then you look on their back end, obviously led by Aaron Ekblad. So this is a good, good team. And then Bobrovsky uh, getting two-thirds of the start so far. Um, a bit better than Spencer Knight, who who's a fine goaltender. He's going to be really good. But Bobrovsky having a good year as well. So this, this is going to be a... Crazy test to start off the hardest five game road trip I think the Canucks have ever been on. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is a a brutal brutal swing, and I mean you look at guys you know on the on the back end too, right? Um, mm-hmm. There there's two goalies playing in this game tomorrow that have the ability to take this from a track meet into you know either a low scoring game or a very one sided game. 
right? Yep. You have Thatcher Demko on the Canucks end, who has been absolutely phenomenal this year, as he has just seemed to consistently be. Uh, and then you have, you know, one of the best goalies of this generation on the other side in, in Sergei Bobrovsky. Yes, yep. he had a bad year. Um, was it last year or the year? The last two years were pretty bad for him. Yeah. But bad by Bobrovsky's standards are a 900 and a 906, right? Not, mm-hmm. not terrible, but not his level. But this year, he's been a lot better. He's a 917 um, on a high-flying offense team. Uh, he's played uh, a lot better, and he's a he's a guy who can steal a game uh, if he needs to. You think... Uh, so let's talk about the Canucks. Uh, obviously, you have to factor in the opponent, but do you think they're going to come out guns a-blazing, or at least with a lot of pep in their step, because they haven't played since January 1st, beating Seattle? Or do you think this is like game number two when they came back against LA they had the good game against Anaheim but then they kind of stunk against LA do you expect more of that or maybe Florida has a lot to do with it I don't know yeah it's hard to predict right because yeah. you I could totally see it going both ways I can see okay they have been resting for a week they've got some good practices practices in as a as a cohesive unit under yeah. Boudreaux getting those systems dialed in a little bit more they're rested um you know Florida's been playing games uh, this could be a chance for the Canucks to just go out with speed, take over a game, uh, and keep up with the Panthers. The other side of it is, oh, they haven't played in a week. They're rusty. They, they're, they're, they, they haven't moved right. And there's yeah. all these. You really can't tell until the game starts. Um, yep. But if they're going to hang in this game, they're going to have to be going minute one. Because uh, <laughs> if they are, if they are slow out there, if they have a slow start, Florida will punish you really quick. Oh. Um, you know, if, if you're lazy on, on your first, second shift, they'll probably score because they have so mm-hmm. many guys who can do that. So, uh, I think the key for this game for the Canucks is just to not fall behind, right? Stay in it, yeah. especially yeah. the way we've seen them play lately, where they have been able to battle back in these games. If you go down one, nothing, you're okay. Because odds are you're going to score some goals too in this game, um, with how good these offenses are. The thing is. You can't go down two, three, nothing. You start to really get into scary territory. Um, and, you know, you just can't shoot yourself in the foot. It's crazy, too. We won. We beat Seattle five to two on New Year's night on our last game. Florida also won five to two. They beat Montreal on that day, on that night. But then since then, they've played three games. And yeah, they beat Calgary six to two. So a six spot. Then they lost to Dallas in a shootout, 6-5, so 5. And then they beat Carolina, another awesome team, 4-3. So six goals here, five goals here, four goals here. This is going to be fun. It's going to be massive. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Um, I'm a little scared, but I'm excited. (laughs) Um, While we're on this, do we want to talk about um, the lines now or do we want to do that? I think think now because it's the game uh, that's tomorrow night, sort of our main one that we're previewing here. Yeah. Um, the Canucks debuting, uh, some different lines, uh, yesterday I had it open and then I closed it because I'm very smart. Um, I'll pull it back up. Sure. Right here. Okay. Let's start from the top. Uh, so we have seen in the past, um, pod Colson Miller Garland, right. And I think both of us really liked that line. They mm-hmm. were very fun. They were aggressive. Uh, now that's getting a little bit more. Um, they're, they're swapping out Connor Garland for Brock Besser on that unit. So we're getting Paul Colson on the left, Besser on the right with Miller in the middle, maybe adding a bit more of a shot option, uh, with Besser instead of more of a grind option in Connor Garland. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, 
Um, what was really interesting is before Besser went into COVID protocol, the Besser Miller Pearson line was awesome. Mm-hmm. They were so good together because Besser was scoring, Miller was scoring, and Miller and Pearson were grinding everyone, you know, winning all the board battles. But Miller has played between um, at least one game between Podkolz and Huglander, and then he's practiced with them. I call it like Miller and the two young guys. So I think they like Podkolz and Miller together. They remember that Besser has, you know, has good success with Miller. So maybe that's why they're they're putting these three guys together. And really, if you call this the top line, Parker, we're basically seeing a pro- promotion for Podkolz to the top mm-hmm. line. That's pretty good. Good for him. Yeah, uh, and I think it, it's weird. I, I think all three of these lines uh, sort of have, you know, they're all like really, they're good second lines. I think it's kind of what the Canucks have. They're rolling like three good second lines here. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the second unit, I guess, that they're not really in order. Um, Elias Pettersson with Niels Hoaglander on the right and Tanner Pearson on the left. Give me your thoughts on that one. Okay, so... I've seen PD and Pearson play together before, and it they just don't seem to click. I know Huglander is is actually been quite good recently. He, both him and Pod Colson have been have been really good the last little bit under Boudreaux. So maybe they're and Pearson's been actually hot under Boudreaux. Can you imagine if Boudreaux's putting Pearson and Huglander with Pedersen to get Pedersen going? <laughs> it's pretty I, crazy. I don't know if you're putting Pearson with anyone to get him going. <laughs> I think that's a yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. And we got two of our sons on the same line, Pearson yeah. and Pedersen. Yeah, I think. Um, look, I I really like Pedersen and Hoaglander together. I mean, I like yeah. Hoaglander with anyone. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, and as long as Pearson doesn't get in the way, I think they'll be okay. My my <laughs> fear my fear is, uh, and my fear is always if you put two really high skill guys out. And you yeah. put a third player out who's not as high skilled, right? And I and I don't yeah. think that's too hard on Tanner Pearson. Um, sometimes it can it can drag the other two sort of back a little bit, right? Because yeah. they're 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 being sort of led by example, right? They're playing down to the other player instead of trying to get the other player to play up to them. Right. Um, I mean, you see it a lot in like beer league, <laughs> like the games <laughs> I play, where it's very easy to play down to an opponent. Uh, or, and it's really hard to play up to an opponent. Um, so with Pearson, you know, we'll see if that's the case. Um, I, I, but I mean, I, I guess it's decent. I might've liked pod Coles in there more. Um, yeah. but we'll see how that goes. And we had seen the PPG, the PPVG line of Pedersen, pod Coles and Garland, but now none of those guys are on the same line. They're completely all split up. By the way, I hear what you're saying about two skilled guys and a maybe not so skilled guy, and you wanted to elevate him as opposed to be brought down to his level. But who would you say was the best line of the early 2010s for the Canucks? Yeah, I mean, so you're going to go the Sedins and Burrows is, right. is your thought. And, right, and they kind of elevated his game as opposed to him dragging them down, right? Yeah, but I think I think Alex Burrows was a very different style than, okay. than Tanner Pearson, right? I, I think I think Burrows had that style of, of play that could go up because it's all just hard work right yeah. Tanner Pearson plays a more I guess cerebral game like he's trying to be in the right place and yep. and and receive a pass and and try to make plays that way yep. um it doesn't always work but right. you know he doesn't have the foot speed or you know the the battle ability like a Hoaglander does sure um or the hands that a Pedersen does um yeah. but it's more of an IQ game uh yeah. for Pearson which is fine and it can work well as long as he's able to get open um yeah. and, and possess the puck 
by the way, take away Tanner Pearson's actual, because I think you'd agree he has decent hands. He's not bad in front of the net. Like he's, <laughs> he's got good offense. So take that offensive instinct away from him, but look at his skating, not so great. And look at how broad he is. That's me in roller hockey. Can you picture me just kind of out there, kind of like kind of broad and just kind of, <laughs> <laughs> that's so me. I'm, you want to be the, you, you're the Tanner Pearson without I'm a hands. Poor, I'm a poor man's Tanner Pearson, PMP, like poor it. man Pearson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the third line, we get what I'm assuming is going to be sort of the shutdown line uh, against yeah. against Florida. Um, I, again, I, I guess you're putting them out against the the Huberto line uh, at that point. Um, Bo Horvat between Jason Dickinson and Connor Garland. Yeah. So Horvat and Dickinson, Boudreau really likes these two guys together because before it was Horvat, Dickinson, and Hoglander was actually with them. So I think he likes Dickinson isn't doing anything offensively. Um, it's actually offensive how little he's doing offensively, but on defense, he's actually been quite good. He's been responsible and maybe that's how he gets more confidence in his game under Boudreaux. His minutes have gone up. So I, I think that's the pairing you like. And then, yeah, kind of Connor Garland, he, he works hard. Obviously he loves his spins. I wouldn't call him a defensive stalwart. So that one's a kind of a, a mismatch, although I'm sure Horvat would love the offensive potential mm -hmm. of Garland, right? With, playing with Dickinson. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think Garland's a guy who can who can play both ends of the ice just because of yeah. his because of his skill, right? He's ha he can take pucks away from people, um, yeah. which is really valuable in your own zone. Um, I I actually really like the idea of this line, um, mm -hmm. and I think that it leaves you with a a really set in stone fourth line that is yes. a fourth line right yes. they could have moved high more up and then made dickinson like the 4c or something and, and done something that way or moved mod up um and done something that way but what they've basically said to me here is we are playing these three lines for most of the game and this fourth yeah. line will get 12 minutes maybe sure. tops yep. um and that fourth line is a uh, yuho lamico between Matthew Highmore and Tyler Mott our two favorite fourth liners Mott and Highmore exactly <laughs> yeah it's, well that is a that's an excellent fourth line I think yeah well there's no chase on it's good yeah well there's no chase on mm -hmm. well <laughs> there's a reason for that but I honestly I think I think if chase on wasn't on protocol I I would rather have this fourth line I than, would too uh, than slotting him in I would um too. It, it, I mean it's it's just three fourth liners right I mean yeah. Tyler Mott is an excellent fourth liner um, yeah. Matthew Highmore is a pretty good fourth liner. Ewell Amico has mm -hmm. been fine. Uh, he hasn't been excellent. He's had some off nights. Um, yeah. but I also don't think he has really hurt the team in yeah. many ways. I think he has been okay. Yeah. And that is good enough for me. You know, so Parker, three lines. Yes. in the fourth, we won't talk about the fourth line for a second. The top nine that you and I have been talking about since the start of the season, since the preseason, they this these are three new combos. We haven't seen this combination of three lines yet. They still have not gone with the lines that we have wanted. You know this, right? They still have not gone with Lotto, Horvat, Garland, Hoglander, Dickinson, Pearson, Podkolzin. They still have not gone with that. That's like the only combo they haven't gone with yet. It's crazy. Maybe they won't. Yeah. Maybe they won't. They probably watched us and, and they're like, oh, <laughs> screw these guys. What um, do they know? Exactly. That's why they're just um, on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I was on this tweet from, from Thomas Drance and it, yeah. it gave they, they, the little translate tweet button came up. I was like, Hmm, what would it want me to translate? So I clicked it. And what I see is, did you know that Lamico 
is Finnish for the word pond. I did not know that. I, at least that's what this did. It's all it changed. It, it's translated from Finnish. Uh, and it now says, uh, it just says pond instead of Lamico. Uh, translate Lamico to English. Yeah. Pond. All right. Okay, tr try Yuho. I want to see what the modifier is to pond. This, this could be interesting. I'm slow at typing. Uh, I think it's a name. It's the Finnish variation of John. John Pond. John Pond. All right. I'm calling him that from now on. That's uh, that's excellent. So the fourth line is Mott and Highmore flanking John Pond. John Pond. Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. Defense. Uh, all Reckman Larson, Tyler Myers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the same. Uh, yeah. Quinn Hughes, Luke Shen. That's the same. Yeah. Hunt and Pullman. That's the same. Yeah. Uh, anything on that? Nothing there. Uh, Burles is the extra, uh, of course, Kyle Burles. And then um, I guess we're still waiting for Travis Hamnick. Bruce Rugel today said Hamnick did not make the start of the trip, at least. Yeah, he's and injured. We know it, yeah, it's not even COVID-related, so I don't know what it is. So I think the biggest question is when he comes back, where do you slot him in? Does he become the third-pairing guy and you sit Pullman? Does he take a spot next to Hughes? But Shen's playing pretty well there. But I guess we don't have to worry about that until he comes back. Yeah, he has played a whole nine games this year. Wow. Earning that three mil. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyways, <clears throat> let's go. Let's go on to uh, the next game, which is Thursday, 4 p.m. You thought the Panthers were a difficult opponent. Well, how about the Tampa Bay Lightning? <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, Parker, we could have probably saved ourselves some time and energy. We could have recorded exact same thing i mean said one thing about each florida and then just repeated it for tampa carolina yeah. washington and nashville wow really good offensive team really good goaltender great uh, defenseman yes also has 51 points the same as the florida panthers yeah um what's really impressive to me tampa bay it has, is tied for the most points in the league at 51. And if you go by points percentage, I think it's Carolina at the top either way. Okay. Uh, or yep. maybe Colorado. Cause they have only played 32 games, uh, but it's close I think it's Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, they are 23, nine and five with a plus 13 goal differential. What? Yeah. They have scored 122 and they've allowed 109. Um, I guess so they got blown out a couple of times. Yeah, uh, when they lose, they get smoked, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really curious about that because, oh, they lost 9-3 to the Panthers a week and a half ago. Okay, well, that can do it. But they beat the Flyers 7-1 a couple weeks before that. Yeah, so that I'm trying to see this. if there's like a big game that really did it for them, but uh, they've, they've been blown out a couple of times. But okay. yeah, that is a, it's a really weird goal differential to me. Uh, yeah. For a team that's performing that well, unless this is just wrong and, and Google's lying to me, which I wouldn't be too surprised um, <laughs> at that point. So we know that we've we've seen this team win the cup the last two years. We know that is Kucherov hurt, by the way. Is I don't know. Yeah, okay, but with or without Kucherov, they still have Stamkos, Point, Kalorn, Palat, Sorelli, Perry, and then on D, Sergachev, McDonough, and of course Victor Hedman, and then. They got the guy named Vasilevsky in the back. So this is a pretty good team. Kucherov's back. He uh, he came back on the seventh. Okay. Uh, and had okay. two assists. So he okay. is, he's there and he's scary. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh. 
but yeah, yeah, I mean they're 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 such a strong team. Um, I mean, how's Vasilevsky doing this year? Uh, he has a nice and easy. Why did it take me to this website? Yeah, two twenty three. I got yeah nine twenty three. Yep, he's so good. Um, yeah, I mean he is going to. Uh, it's another game where it'll probably be Demko again, um, yeah. and I imagine we're getting Demko. Uh, uh, for these three games, and then I imagine Halak on the Sunday. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's going to be just two extremely tough games here. Maybe the Tampa plays Brian Elliott. I hope so. <laughs> that would be nice of them. I, I actually backup goalies, man. I don't know. Do we want to go against backup goalies? That no. seems like a curse. Um, and then so if the Lightning was a nice and uh, an easy opponent, uh what if so they we have the panthers tied for the most points in the league with the tampa bay lightning yeah and then well if you go by points percentage well then the best team in the nhl is the carolina hurricanes who the canucks play saturday at 10 a.m nice and early early games are so weird that i feel like the canucks are going to blow them out because it's (laughs) because you cannot trust morning games so you're telling me on Tuesday we play against the team with the most points, uh, well tied, but fewer games. Then we play against the defending Stanley Cup champions, and then we play against the team with the best points percentage. Yeah, that's <laughs> correct. But you're right about these morning games. You re- remember in 2012 in January, after the Canucks lost to the Bruins Game Seven, they played against them in a Sunday morning game in Boston at 10 a.m. 1 p.m. start. And that was the Cody Hudson bar down, right? This is the one yeah. where we, we beat them. So you're right. We're going to win because just simply of how early the game is. Yeah, I think, I think that's stats. Uh, also, <laughs> you know why Carolina's uh, number one in the NHL in points percentage? Well, that's why? because they are eight, one, and one in their last 10 games. Same as uh, us. They are on an absolute heater right now. So a great time to face them. Um <laughs> And I mean, they've been they've been winning games handily, right? They've won five in a row. Uh, no, they lost to the Panthers actually a couple days ago, right, uh, which right. indicates how good the Panthers are too. Um, yeah, they've had some easier opponents though. I mean, they they beat the they did lose to the Senators about a month ago, but good. they they beat the Sabers, the Jets, the Flames, the Oilers, uh, the Canucks beat them. Yeah. Then they beat the Red Wings, the the Kings, the the Habs, the Blue Jackets, the Flames. Um. And then they lost to the Panthers. So they are tearing it up uh, right now. The the hottest team in the league, really. Wow. So insert template here. They have the scorers in Aho, Teravainen, Sveshnikov, Trocek. Then they have the great defensemen in, well, I don't know if you call them great, but D'Angelo's been great. Slavin's been great. And, of course, their goaltending in Anderson. Um, and, and But didn't we beat them in December? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Canucks beat him uh, just back on December 12th, a 2-1 yeah. to one victory. If I remember correctly, this is the game that the Canucks were the worst team uh, yes. in that game, and uh, yeah. and they kind of pulled it out, um, which was good. Jalen Chatfield, I, also on the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, interesting. And Antti Ranta played that game, but it's not like he's bad. He only let in two goals. and he, Yeah, he's Ranta's great, great. Yeah, he's got great stats. So, okay, another tricky one. Yep, and then the Canucks follow that up on a little back-to-back against the Washington Capitals. 
Now, if you don't know where the Washington Capitals are, they are third in the Metro, which you would say, oh, third. That's not a great team. Well, they're one point back of the Hurricanes, one point back of the Rangers, uh, two points back of the Panthers, two points back of the Lightning. Uh, They are 28 and nine. They have lost four in a row. Wow. Uh, But I mean, they are uh, they are so dangerous. Uh, Alex Ovechkin continues to do Alex Ovechkin things. Uh, mm-hmm. How many goals does he have this year? Like 35, uh, lot, 24. Yeah. I was trying to really exaggerate. He has 24 goals this year <laughs> in 37 games. Uh, that's absurd. So let's very quickly, our template scores Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Shiri, Eller, Wilson, good defenseman, John Carlson, and then their goaltenders, Vanacek and Samsonov, basically even 17 games and 20 games. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, they're kind of splitting the load there. Um, kind of the weakest goal was out for a while. Right. And of the four teams, like I mean, sorry, of the the four that we looked at so far, actually the weakest goaltending of the four. Right? Would you say? Yeah, and yeah. I think that's that's a, a shot for the Canucks potentially. Um, it's going to be a, a wild week. Um, then they, I'm just going to touch on the Predators game the following Tuesday. Yeah. Because that way we can do a full road trip prediction. Wow. Five games. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, if you don't know how Nashville's doing this year, uh, they are the top of the central division. They have won four in a row. They are eight, one and one in their last 10 as well. Okay, great. So if you had to make your prediction for these five games, all on the road, all against five of the top six teams by points, in the NHL, or it's five of the, I don't know. It's around. Yeah. By points. Yeah. Yeah. Five of the top six in yeah. points in the NHL. Uh, where would you put the Canucks? I'm boring, man. I'm going two, two and one 500 right on the dot. If the Canucks come out of this two, two and one. Yeah. That is excellent. Yes. Yes. Like that would be a monumental achievement and it would keep them right in the hunt. Uh, it would keep them. I mean, if the Oilers continue to fall, uh, it could have them right on the edge of a playoff spot still. Yeah. Um, and then we look at, you know, that sort of Olympic break and, and all these games coming up where they do get a lot easier, right? Yeah. Uh, and a lot, I, of home, a lot of this, home games too. Yeah. After this road trip, they come home, they get uh, Florida, St. Louis, kind of tough. Then they get Edmonton, Winnipeg, Calgary, Chicago. Like they mm-hmm. get a couple of easier teams and then they have that Olympic break where they have a bunch of games piled up most at home and most against fairly beatable teams, uh, yeah, except with maybe the, Toronto. Yeah. With the Toronto through. Exactly. So while we're giving our predictions, you guys, please put yours in the chat. How many points do they get or what's their record? So <clears> I'm <throat> saying two, two and one. And if I had to, had to, had to pick, I'm saying that they win one of the two, let's say, I'm going to say they actually beat Florida, but they lose to Tampa. I'm going to say they lose to Carolina, but they beat Washington. And then they they get a point out of Nashville. So there's my two, two, and one. Parker, what says you? This one's tough because I'm trying <laughs> to, I'm trying to, do I want my fun brain or yeah. do I want my realistic brain? But does my realistic brain matter when it's Bruce Boudreaux who just wins games? Yeah. And while you're That's- thinking, um, you guys, we love your predictions, but your numbers got to add up to five, okay? Because they're, they're they're playing five games. <laughs> they can't no. go three, one, and two. Yeah, but <laughs> it, it's good. It's good. <laughs> um, 
Part of me wants to say just two and three. Okay. With one of those wins coming in OT. Hmm. Um, which again, I think I'd be fine with if that happened. Um, part of me wants to say four and one. <laughs> I think, I think I'm going to be, I think I'm going to say they go two and three, uh, and I'm going to say they pull out wins. Uh, I think they beat Florida too. Uh, I, I, I like, yeah. I like their odds against Florida. I like their odds against Carolina. Um, and those are going to be my two wins. Um, but okay. if they do better, I will be a very happy guy. Awesome. So we both got them beating Florida. Then you have them beating Carolina where I have them beating Washington. Okay. I'll go with that. Yeah. Um, and speaking of other teams, you know, we're, we're the, the Canucks trying to get in the playoff hunt. They didn't play any games last week and they are in a pretty okay spot. And that is because the Edmonton Oilers went 0-2 last week, five straight losses for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they lost 4-2 to the Maple Leafs, 4-1 to the Rangers. Uh, they don't play again until Saturday uh, where they get the, the Sens uh, and then they get the Panthers. Thank goodness for the Oilers. But, yeah. Do you think they're going to fire their coach? Isn't there a, G- isn't there a press conference tomorrow? Is the there? But- I, I feel like if I feel like we'd have, it'd have been leaked at this point. Yeah. Though. Yeah, and you're right. The rumor, I believe there's a press conference, but the rumor is, is not about a head coaching change. So I don't know what it would be about. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they've been struggling. Uh, the Canucks remain three points back of the Oilers uh, with the same amount of games played. So now it gets into territory of a catchable team. Um, they are four points back of San Jose. Who's won a couple of games, but Canucks have two games in hand on them. You got to win them though. And they have some yep. tough games coming up here, but the other team who is basically doing the same swing as the Canucks right now is the Calgary Flames, who went 0-3 this last week. And they had, like I said, basically the same swing. They started in in Florida on Tuesday, Mm -hmm. same as the Canucks are going to do this Tuesday. They lost 6-2. They go into Tampa on Thursday, just as the Canucks are going to do, and they lose 4-1. And then they went into... Carolina on Friday and lost six, three. So Calgary has been allowing a ton of goals against these three very good teams uh, and not getting goaltending. Uh, Vladar and Markstrom were just letting, uh, I think it was Vladar for two of these games um, for the Thursday, Friday, if I remember correctly. Um, And uh, it did not go well for them. And this is a chance for the Canucks to show that, Hey, they might be a good, they might be as good as the flames. Maybe not as good right now. Cause the flames are, are actually doing really well, but hmm. it's a real opportunity to take advantage of these games where the flames had to go and play these three teams. And now the Canucks get to go play in these three teams and no ground was lost at this point. That's true. That's actually a really good point with the two Alberta teams faltering. And for once the Canucks don't have, miles ahead of games played on anyone else it's actually be nice to see that we are the team that have games to make up but yeah i agree with you that edmonton and calgary are faltering but surprisingly san jose la and anaheim they're not losing as much as i want them to at least 
Yeah, and I, I think I think they're gonna sort of just stick around the middle for most of the yeah. year, right? I mean, we look at San Jose, they're five and five in their last ten, right? They're mm-hmm. just sort of hovering around a point per game, 39 points in 36 games, which is better than the Canucks, but I, I I they're not really trending one way or the other, right? They trended up at the start, they trended down, now they're just sort of hovering around the middle. Um LA is, you know, they they're pulling out wins. Um yeah. Uh, I mean, they beat Detroit and they beat uh, they beat the Rangers tonight, three to one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're they're staying in the mix. Uh, and if the Canucks are going to want to get in the playoffs, they're going to need, you know, the Kings or the Ducks to to fall apart here, yeah. um, which hasn't really happened yet. Parker, we love your opinion. Quick opinion on this. I, I vlogged about this earlier this week as I was trying to find stuff to talk about. If we agree that Nashville, St. Louis, Colorado, and even Minnesota, who's 44 points in only 33 games, if we agree that those four teams are going to be pretty tough for the Canucks to catch, that means technically they have to beat one of Winnipeg or Dallas or just say, hey, five teams are coming from the Central. We actually have to finish third in the Pacific. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, and that's where it gets tricky, right? Because you probably can, you know, you can't lock them in, but you can say, okay, there's there's four getting in from the Central most likely yeah, yeah. right at least so if there's you know you have the top three of the pacific and then there's yeah. one wild card left so let's say you have um vegas calgary and i don't know let's let's keep uh let's keep anaheim in there sure for now. sure so let's say you have vegas uh, anaheim calgary well that means you have la san jose edmonton vancouver winnipeg mm-hmm. and dallas all competing for one playoff spot. Yep. Yep. That is really tough odds. So <laughs> what you need is you need to catch the third place team in the Pacific yes, because exactly. it might be easier to get ahead of the ducks than it is, than it might be to be ahead of the jets by the end of the season. Right. Or the stars. Yep. Um, so it's uh, it's still a tall order, um, but it is still doable. This team just needs the, this run that they got, got them back in the mix. Now they need to, like Bruce says, win the week and win every week. This is going to be their hardest week of the season from here yeah. on out. Uh, let's see what they can do. And if you get to the third spot in the Pacific, then you're actually playing against Anaheim or Calgary as the second Pacific team, as opposed to being the second wild card and playing against the best team in the conference, likely a Colorado or St. Louis. So, there's a lot of things that are Nashville. There's a lot, lot of, to play for. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. All right. Do we want to go on to some listener questions? Sure. Uh, our favorite time of every week. We got about 15 minutes left. Uh, so if you guys want to get your questions in right now, throw them in the chat. We'll read some of them. We'll answer them. Uh, and while we wait for you guys to do that, uh, do we want to talk about Patrick Olivine a little bit? I mean, I think we brought him up last week. Uh, yeah. And we said, we don't know anything about him. And then we did lots of research over this last week, hours uh, of deep yes. diving into Patrick Alvin so that we could report the news. Um, yes. And that is that Frank Cervalli said, yep, they're still, he's still the main guy. Uh, they're probably going to finish up their interviews in the next 10 days, I think is what I heard. Okay. Um, so we could have, you know, a new GM potentially in about two weeks time. Mm. Um, and it still looks like he is the main guy they're looking at. Yep. I've heard the same. And I did hear also that he would be the second European 
GM and the first Swedish one, I guess the first one is the guy from Columbus, right? Whose name I can't say. Uh, Kekalainen? That guy? How do you say it? Kekalainen? Sure, that. Yarmo? That guy. Well, that's good. You guys, you're good. Uh, you're the you're the pronouncer of the, of the two of us for sure. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So that'd be cool if he's the second, whatever. Like, I don't care what country he's from, as long as he knows what he's doing, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the big thing. I mean, I I still want you know someone like McFarland. It seemed like the dream candidate potentially, um, yeah. but hey, uh, we'll see how she goes. Okay, man. Everyone's asking about Evander Kane. Uh, three, two. One, no, thank no. you. Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> um, Coach Rob asking if these are the Fry Guys on my shirt. They are. That is why it says Fry Guys. Ah. Let you, those cut off the screen. Yeah. Um, yep. BL Tubes, good question. Uh, would you like to see Yaro Halak traded before his 10th game? And the reasoning behind that is because he hits a bonus uh, if he plays 10 games. You know how big the bonus was at 10 games? Like yes, one. Mil? Well, no, one point two five. Oh, it's like the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. So, the way bonuses work is if you have cap space, then you can pay off the bonus as it happens. Uh, players over thirty five are eligible for performance bonuses. Same with players on entry level contracts. Um, so the plan was with Yaroslav Halak. The idea was, okay, we can pay this guy three million dollars to be our backup. We don't have three million in cap space, but if we make the last million and a half easy performance bonuses, then he can play. He can get his one and a half this year, and then we can put the last one and a half on next year's cap. Because hmm. Jim Benning always thinking for the future. Um, and, and so what happens is uh, one of those bonuses, the big bonus for almost the entire uh, salary for next year, uh, comes from playing ten games. He has played eight. So yep. if the Canucks can trade him before that hits, then I guess the bonus, does the bonus get stuck to the team that has yeah. him or does yeah. it? Okay. It's got to so, be. It's a contract. It's got to be. It's got to be. Unless it said in a Canucks for the Vancouver <laughs> Canucks, then he just doesn't get any of it. Right. That's true. Um, That's true. Although I don't, I, I, I think he has a full no movement clause. So I think he'd say no, if that was the case, like, no, you're not going to steal a million dollars from me. Um, so, would I like to see Halak traded? This is tough because I think it's probably if you can swing it, if you can make that trade happen, it's probably not a bad one to make. Just looking ahead, right? Mm -hmm. Saving a million bucks off the cap next year. You're already paying Braden Holpe next year to not play for the Canucks on his buyout. Um, Jake for Tannen. Jake for Tannen, you're paying to not play. Um so in that sense, yes. But then who are you putting in as the backup for the rest of this season? Right. You don't, Demko's not playing 74 games. Right. Yeah. Um, that's, I think that's the big one. Right. And, and it, the, the problem is there's a lot of, you know, GMs like to reward the team if they play well. Right. Um, I heard them talking about this on Halford and Bruff. I think it was yesterday. Uh, not yesterday. It would have been Friday. Friday's show. Um, and they were talking about how GMs usually only make trades if they think they that their players have earned a trade. And he told the story about um, Kyle Dubas um, back, I think it was 2018, 
um, when they had a bunch of trades lined up um, to make a big push. And then they had the e-bug game against Carolina. Mm -hmm. And he said, and he thought they haven't earned it. So he scuttled all those trades. So part of it is if you're just looking ahead for the future, trading collect makes sense. But how does it look to the team? If the team has played this way and they're thinking, Hey, we're playing really well, you know, maybe add a couple of pieces here, right? Like let's, let's, let's make a push here. We're doing our part. And then he goes out and trades the backup goalie who had a really great game against Columbus. Um, and that's where it gets a little tricky for me. Yeah. I, I don't think for everything that you said, um, I agree with you. I, I don't think you trade him. I, I don't think you do because if you are still uh, have any aspirations of making the playoffs because the trade deadline happens, of course, with a, a couple months to go still, you need that insurance because DiPietro is not ready. Seelaw not ready. Spencer Martin not ready. That's why they have him on the taxi squad all the time. And so if something happens to Demko and you're still trying to make the playoff spot, you need a goalie with uh, with good experience. Of course, that's why other teams might like him. So you do have to entertain offers. But if he's got a no movement clause, this is kind of all off or not because he's got to he's got to waive it. Uh, so I, I I don't I don't make that move. I, I look at the the Canucks and I look at their UFAs and the one. I know we, this isn't a topic bar, but I, I think Tyler Mott's name is the one that comes up because he can be someone who gives a, a team a great bottom six option for a, a deep playoff run. And he might be looking at a raise over his 1.25 million. But, you know, we can save that for another another uh, uh, chat for sure. But all to say, I don't think the Canucks trade Halak. I don't think they should. I kind of agree. I don't think they mm-hmm. do. And it's really a value proposition, right? Because if yeah. you... If you think that that one and a quarter and maybe one and a half, because that last bit of that bonus is a save percentage, right? Yeah. yeah, Um, Which was 905, which is hittable if he plays okay. Yeah, he's over that right now. Yeah, yeah. Right. So what do you think they would even get for a guy like Halak, right? He probably like he has no movement clause. So this is say if he says yes to going to a team, I mean, what are they getting? Like maybe a third, fourth, maybe that third, third. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. so a nice addition, but in the long term, it's probably negligible, right? Yeah. Where it really counts is, do you want to prevent that one and a quarter, maybe one and a half million from being on your books next year uh, when they do have to, you know, sign a couple of big contracts um, yeah. and the cap, I think the cap, the cap's going up next year, right? Like one million, I yeah. think, um, which is almost nothing. Um, and the Canucks get the Luongo recapture off the books, which will be nice, but yes. I mean, this almost, you know, this and the Holtby bio basically negates that <laughs> anyways. Uh, so it is, um, it is, uh, it is tricky. I wouldn't be surprised either way. Um, but I think, I think you'd have to get a goalie back, right? Like yeah. you'd have to get a worse, you'd have to get that the other team's worst backup yeah. uh, in return. You think I don't Rutherford- think you're putting Pietro in. Right, right. I agree. Do you think Rutherford came here? And the first day on his job, he opens up his little salary cap spreadsheet and he goes, what the heck? Yeah. Why does Halak have a no move? <laughs> Why are we paying? Yeah. Hope me and Vertan and 2.5 million to combine next year. It is pretty common uh, though, that, that teams will give veterans, no movement clauses, right? Just like, and especially on a one year deal, like who cares, right? They're basically saying, Hey, come play for us for the year. We're just, we're just, we won't trade you at the trade deadline. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. basically what the no movement gets them. Um, 
and you know Halak is you know Halak want to come here and not want to have to move around uh throughout the year and yeah I mean we have the same thing with Edler right that's why Edler was getting no moves because he just wanted to stay here uh and it, it's sort of the same situation so I don't I, I get why the no move was there um but I wouldn't be too surprised if they try to get around it so Parker trivia time I think Gillis and 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 some step ben, uh, Benning were notorious for giving out these no moves aside from Halak there's only three players that have either no move or no trade. I'll give you a hint. One forward and two defensemen. Do you want to take a guess without, uh, without looking? Myers. Yep. OEL. Yep. Uh, ooh, the forward though. Tanner Pearson. Very good. Very good. Nice. Yep. Awesome. Nicely done. What? What is? Why is Tanner Pearson? <sighs> you ruined my I, night. I did this on purpose, brother. <laughs> Tanner Pierce, it's just it's just a so he's okay. got no he's got a full new no trade this year and then next and then year he's got it's seven only teams. seven teams next no. year. Okay, no. so next year he's very tradable. No. Um, which is good. Jeez, jeez. I actually I remember that. I remember making the video when he got signed. I was like 3.25 is too much, three years is too much, and a no trade makes no sense. Uh, and that's <laughs> that's uh that's where I was on that. Uh, cause three, that three. is silly. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, we spent uh, 10 minutes talking about a uh, Halak, which is fine, but now there's a, there's a bunch of questions. Take your pick, man. <laughs> oh, I haven't, I haven't been reading. Me neither. Uh, uh, um, oh man. Um, Arsel, what do you think teams would play for Halak and Mott? I, I like the Mott angle. Um, because, because Tyler Mott, you know, the trade deadline still is it March this year? Yeah, early March, April. I think. NHL trade deadline. I'm going with early uh, to mid March. Oh, that doesn't tell you. Uh, March 21st. It's late. Oh wow! Wow. March 21st, 3 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, that's really late. That's almost the end of the year. Uh, it's like a month before. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, a guy like Tyler Mott, I I think is the ideal, <laughs> the ideal trade piece. Yeah. Um, at the trade deadline, right? Uh, my worry about Tyler Mott is I think we like him more than anyone else will. Yeah, and that's usually um, the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, unless you can convince him to do the whole UFA thing, which never happens. Everyone's like, oh, just trade him and then sign him in the offseason. It never works. No, no You no, never no. see it. Um, if they could somehow sell that, that would be excellent because I really like Tyler Mott here. And I mean, if you just say, hey, we'll give you, you know, two million bucks next year to come back, you know, yeah. that would be good. Um, what would they get for him? Does he fetch what Halak fetches, a third rounder? I think you shoot higher. Second rounder. Yeah. I mean, you look at guys like um, who got a, you got you got guys like Blake Coleman getting first round, first yeah. round picks in return as, as a rental, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. He's, he's lower caliber than that. But I think, include, a, yeah. I think yeah. a second should be at the trade deadline for a uh, guy who can go kill penalties, um, was excellent in the bubble, right? Like showed that he can play playoff hockey. Um, I think he should, they should be able to fetch something for Tyler Mott, uh, yeah. especially if you're not going to be able to resign him. Uh, then I think, I think he's, uh, he's definitely a good trade piece potentially. What did Bark? Can you you type faster than I do? Can you type in what Barclay Goudreau trade? Because I think he got. Yeah, first. 
Yeah, he got a. Uh, oh, that was that was the other trade. Uh, traded to Lightning, first round pick. Wow. Um, and Greco. And I think a there first was a rounder. And it was Goudreau in a third for a first and Anthony Greco, okay. who has who is nothing. Like he's played one NHL game and he's twenty eight years old. Uh, mm. So basically, a first and a third, or a f- Goudreau and a third got a first. Okay. Um, but hey, I mean, if you could do Mott and a third um at, for a for first, first. <laughs> then you're then you're taking that and running right and that moves you up and probably moves you up a total of about 40 picks or so in the draft 45 picks yeah. um in that case uh, i think that's that's really valuable yeah yeah and arsenal said this in the in the chat just right there last year's trade deadline prices were so high i agree i remember seeing some of those trade deadline deals and uh yeah yeah weird year last year obviously but Mm-hmm. Man. All right. Uh, do you want to take one more? Sure. Uh, did you see it? It's time for you to pick one. Okay. I'll pick. Uh... Oh, no. We should do one about the Canucks, right? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I sorry. I'm not very prepared. What uh, that's okay. Um, Edmund asks, are you more worried um, about what Basically, are you worried about what Rutherford or ex new GM will do? I personally am. I am so I just remember any time for the last bunch of years, whenever it would pop up and it would say, you know, sounds like the Canucks are making a trade. Mm. My mind never went. All right, let's see what's going on. You know, let's see what they're trying to do to improve the team. It is. Oh, no, please (laughs) don't be bad. Please. It just. Don't be too bad. And look, Benning made some good trades. Benning made some iffy trades. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't trust <laughs> Jim Benning. And it's going to take me a long time for those wounds to heal and be able to trust again. Yeah. Uh, Jim Benning's trade uh, history better when it was not the deadline. The JT Miller trade, which we like, that happened at the draft, not at the yeah. deadline. And there are many more examples like that. I'm sure that Pearson for Goodbranson, that wasn't at the deadline. I think that was in December, if that, if memory serves correctly. Right. Yeah. So, or, and the Levo trade at the time, which was good. But then I only can remember one trade deadline where I thought he did really well. And that was at the time, I thought it was great when he, he shipped out Hansen and Burroughs, two declining assets for Godobin and Dalin that came in, uh, Dalin. But yeah. right. And then he traded Dalin for Linus Carlson. <laughs> Okay, thanks for uh yeah, so uh Rutherford has been saying the right things. He has been saying he's not going to trade, he's not going to do rentals because he doesn't want to give away any picks or prospects. So if you take him at his word, I like that. We've also seen his history though, but those are Pittsburgh teams that were ready to win now as opposed to the Canucks who I think you got to still look 2 or 3 years away. Mm-hmm. I will say yeah. Linus Carlson has 23 points in 29 games in the SHL this year. Okay. Uh, so good for him. He's improving. Uh, <laughs> hopefully he's eventually can play an NHL game. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> With that, we're going to wrap up. Thank you guys very you know, much. By the way, you Go know ahead. why it's scary? Cause his name is Linus Carlson. Mm. Fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, we are going to wrap up. Thank you guys very much for joining us. Uh, big week Four Canucks games this week. And if you want to, 
catch up on those games after they happen, you can go to either of our channels. Mine is Parker's Pucks. Uh, his is Canuck Clay. I do a stream after every game. Clay makes videos. Clay does some live streams during the week. We do a bunch of stuff. We do, we're not just here on Mondays. We're doing this all the time, uh, except this last week. I did nothing this last week because nothing <laughs> happened. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, there's some links in the description. Just go click those if you want. If you missed any part of the show, you can rewind here on YouTube. Uh, or you can find on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, and if you listen on your favorite podcast platform, that helps us a lot. It moves us up the rankings, especially if it's on Apple Podcasts, mm. uh, which is really cool for us because uh, we like seeing those numbers on the charts go up, uh, which is fun. Um, Clay, any parting words for the night? Just excited for hockey. As as tough as this road trip is going to be that we spent 40 minutes detailing after a 13-game break in, in December, a 13-day break, excuse me, where we missed five games, another 11-day break, missing another two. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun, finally. It sure is. And I want to yeah. I want to end this by saying happy birthday to Tobias Reeder, who single-handedly uh, ruined the Edmonton Oilers season a few years ago because uh, he didn't score a goal. Um, and with that, <laughs> have a good night. And we will see you uh, next week.